Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we, sh- we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Gary Das. Welcome, Gary. Thanks, mate, for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, it's so good to, to have you here. And I want to say to, to people who are listening, like, Gary's incredible, but between 2006 to 2015 was a really tough time for him, right? He built an insurance brokerage business to seven-figure revenue, which for most people would just be like, amazing, how do I do that? Except Gary hated it. And so in January 2016, he started all over again. Now, since then, fortunately, this is a happy story because he built uh, a seven-figure brokerage that runs without stress and without him being required day to day. He went from being stressed out, working all the hours possible, to having the time to run four businesses with a team of 32 or more people throughout the UK in under five years. And most importantly, he did this without overwhelm, without making huge sacrifices, without losing time with his wife and kids, which... Uh, at the t- uh, uh, now uh, four, it's been continuously adding to them, including very recently. The and so it's really, really important to be able to, to do that, right? So um, that's incredible. And now Gary coaches other insurance advisors on how to create more leads, sales, profit, and time to do the things that they love with the people that they love. So uh, really aligned to, to Gary in terms of what he's really passionate about and how he's building his businesses. Gary, thanks so much for joining me. Can I just carry you around on my shoulder and just get you to intro me every morning? It would just be a nice little G up. <laughs> Amazing job. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I, feel, I feel all embarrassed now. Oh, no, no, no. You're all good. So let's, let's dive in. So um, uh, let's talk about the, the hard bit first, which was what happened in the run up to your first seven figure business? Like, you know, uh, what was the kind of journey that you went through and why was it so stressful? So it's kind of, I, I actually say that the 2016 was starting again almost for the third time, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I went self-employed in 2006 uh, because at the time Money Supermarket had just launched and you could buy a name, number and email address for X pounds at that point in time. Um, so I just said to my dad, can I borrow two and a half grand because I want to go self-employed? I know how to get clients and leads, um, to which he said yes. And I paid him back within the space of a couple of months. Um and I was specializing in adverse credits, so bad credit mortgages, which in 2009 disappeared with the credit crunch. So I had to diversify yeah. uh, and I started doing life insurance, critical illness and income protection, which had already be, always been my secondary products to, to obviously upsell off of the back of mortgages. Uh, I let my best mate buy into the business about three months after I sort of changed because he was doing life insurance elsewhere. And then mm-hmm. when I took two weeks off after I got married on my honeymoon uh, in 2011, kind of realized that we were we were both going in div- different direction, both trying to drive the ship, hadn't sat down and actually differentiated our roles and responsibilities. Long story short, came back and him, bought him out. Um, yeah. At that time, we were a team of 10 and sort of on the scale up, but we had recruited too quickly. And I basically went back to me and my PA in 20, uh, 2012, no, 2011. Um, Mm -hmm. and then going gun ho, um, I then managed to go from 2011 up till 2015, still buying leads, did no marketing, paid agencies to get me to page one of Google who never delivered, um, had a telephone team with dialer systems, finding hundreds of bits of data to get one good quality person. 
um, tried anything and everything by paying a third party to, to generate me a name number and an email address and got to 2015 uh, and just absolutely hated the business because I was spending £20,000 a month on low quality leads that were then being yeah. multi-sold to different companies. And, mm. you know, we were, we were a commodity. We were competing on price and the, person, the other person who got the lead would sacrifice and then you were being pulled pillar to post and the profit margins were being reduced. And it was just an anxious moment every month sitting there paying over £20,000 saying to myself, if I don't do this, what other there is no other option it's literally you know mm. failure and bankruptcy was kind of where it went um but it was a profitable business but it was just a highly highly stressful one because of how we were generating names numbers and email addresses and booked phone calls effectively and and so was that stressful because you kind of felt like you know you've got to keep your foot on the gas the whole time otherwise you don't have the revenue and you know because your spend so high that you, you kind of just have to keep on making sure that you've got money coming in. Um, and you, and as you say, you didn't feel like you had another alternative. So if you'd stopped spending that 20 grand a month, then all revenue stops and, and so on. Like, how did, how did that feel like day to day? What, what, what was kind of going through your head at that time? Oh, it was con constant stress. That was the, the big thing. Um, because I was buying leads, like I always reference, I was I was back to work three days after my first daughter was born in 2012 because I had no other option because from 2012, well, from, from 2011 right the way through till 2015, mm. it was constant measure monitoring and managing the numbers because, you know, if, if one advisor didn't perform or we got a bad batch of 100 leads and we didn't convert, you know, the, the leads was effectively a tap that I was paying 20 grand for, which if I turned off, how else are we going to fill the bucket and the profit to drip yeah. out of the bottom? Um, and then obviously you've got the bucket that you've got to manage, which is the biggest part, which the hardest part of business is people. And I hated managing people. I was first in, last out, didn't have a manager. I was very militant because my managers and bosses just said to me, Gary, you know, I always hit my sales target. So it was like, keep doing what you're doing, crack on. Um, and my management experience when I was into sport and football, you know, I use football analogies quite a lot in my coaching and training. But, you know, I'd come off at half time and the manager would say, can we swear? Gary, you're uh, playing on, beep, on this beep. podcast. Gary, you're playing beep beep. Um, get yourself back out there. Pull your socks up, or in ten minutes you're going to be off. So all of a sudden, I would pull my socks up and you know get back into the dirt and and uh, and obviously yeah. pull it all back. And that's that's kind of how I was. It was every day was a hard day, but it was just a stressful day that probably aged me quicker than I wanted. And one of the big things is I never told anyone. So my wife only found out sort of during pandemic when I started talking about those kind of times and sort of opening up a little bit when I was going through my own coaching qualification. And yeah, I never, I never oh, told anyone how hard it was or the times that I stopped on the car, you know, stopped on my journey home, almost wanting to cry into the palm of my hands. Cause it was just like, you're going, you know, you're going from that to then going home to your life, my house. And I had to leave that door to go into the house as a dad and a husband and be, you know, the provider and the happy one. Um, and yeah, it was just a, an awful emotional time really, but I never really talk about it. One never really talked about it. Yeah, and and I think that's it's a, it's a common challenge, right, for for business owners and leaders and anyone in sales or whatever is because it's it, I suppose because it's not an attractive thing to buy from often, or it's seen as not is is someone who's struggling, stressed with the business or whatever, 
Um, on the flip side, we want to see, like vulnerability can create connection, and so it's good to share. But it's it's a really weird and difficult balance. Um, you know, you don't want to buy from you don't want to buy coaching from someone who's not got their life together. Um, and so as a result, it's like, ah, is it helpful if they're vulnerable? <laughs> not particularly. And so that's a that's a really hard place to be. And and as you say, you kind of end up just not sharing it and and holding all that in. And that that must have been like really, really tough in terms of both having to manage the business and and put on a positive face to, to the, both the team and your customers and so on. And, and then have to be all that strength and, and bringing the, uh, we call it bringing the calm at home, like bringing the calm back home rather than bringing all that, that energy and noise um, can be really, really tough. Um, what What was the kind of turning point for you? At what point did you realize this is too much, I need to change things? Like, were, were there, was there a particular moment or a series of moments? What happened? It was, let's call it divine intervention or luck rather than judgment. And I always think that, you know, you mm-hmm. play the cards you're dealt. And in June, of, I'd always wanted to get back to mortgages because let's be honest, everybody needs insurance, but nobody wants it. You know, it's a piece of paper that we pay for, for the what if that might happen tomorrow. The beauty of mortgages is people do want them. Um, and they do need them. So it's it's kind of a win-win. So long story short, uh, in the June, where I'd had my most profitable year in in, over, in the April, um, decided that my eldest daughter needed to move schools, the house prices, are, you know, everything was right with regard to moving. I went to my bank and they said, no, Gary, you can't move because of how you earn your income because I left the profit in the business and didn't withdraw it as dividends. So I'm a bit of a dog with a bone. I don't let anyone tell me no. And, and that's kind of an attitude I take with everything. So in three days, I found 180 mortgage lenders and just found a whole opportunity, niche, specialism, uh, plethora of lenders that would be willing to look after self-employed people. Um, so I submitted an application to our chosen lender within 17 days of back and forth with the accountant, working with the underwriters, et cetera. We had a mortgage offer. In the October, we moved into um, the house and I basically said to my wife, call me crazy, but now's the time to get out of insurance and get back to mortgages. She, she you know, not being involved or not realizing how bad it was, just she supports every decision, to be honest, and I'm a bit of a salesman, so I can sell her on what I need to. Um, but I just said to my team, you know, I just went to my team and said, you know, you know, you've known I wanted to get back to mortgages. It's where my heart and passion lies. It's where I started in the industry in 2003. I was forced out of it. You know, I want to start all over again. Um, so I basically agreed with them to find all new jobs and they had till the end of the year to do so. Uh, I kept my PA and started all over again, January, 2016, with a mission that I would never buy a lead again from a third party provider. And I have managed to achieve that and stick to that. And I always will. But I just went on a mission to, I'd been looking at, I've always been into fitness, as you may have guessed by my Sergio Tarcini 1980s sports top. Um, And um, I followed a guy called Jamie Alderton, uh, who's been on my podcast and, and is now kind of a good friend. And he had basically come out of the army, gone into the fitness space, had no idea, but he was documenting what he was doing on social media. I was following his story. I was bought into him. He became my first online fitness coach. He was doing videos. And I kind of just got to 2016 and I thought, okay, he's done this thing. I've witnessed it for the last couple of years. I have no idea if he's a good PT, but I really, what I now would call know, like, and trust him. Um, So I'm just going to try and work this social media thing out. So I'd never used social media up until 2016. I just started posting once a day. I 
joined a couple of courses that I found through Facebook groups. I then enrolled and did Daniel Priestley's Key Person of Influence and, and wrote my book in 2017 called The Self-Employed Mortgage Guide. And then just found, you know, NLP, Tony Robbins and a whole biz, business and personal development environment that I've, you know, leveraged since 2016 to to basically undo all the wrongs that I made in the in the sort of first 10 years of business, really. That's really, really nice. And so in terms of like, what are some of the key things that you feel like you did differently and or, or and particularly in terms of tips that you'd give for, for other business owners? Because I, I think, as you say, like making sure that you've got control over your source of leads and potential customers, I think is key. But I know that there's been various, you know, various other parts of your business that you've um, done a great job of making sure that you're not like stuck in day to day and and that causing stress so what what would you say are some of the the things that really show, um uh, make a big difference so i, I this oh, there's so many things to be honest but i'll kind of i'll break it into so when i work with an advisor or a business owner or something like that you know the only thing that matters when you're starting out in your first hundred thousand pounds is leads and sales you know, clients and applications submitted, whatever it is. That's the only thing. Nothing else matters. Can I get someone who doesn't know me, whether it's referral, recommendation, social media, however, you need someone to speak to, and then you have to convert that sale. Um, but then what starts to happen at that level is you've got to leverage out to an admin as quickly as you possibly can, because so much, whatever role or job you're doing, particularly in service-based, you know, booking appointments, answering the phone, invoicing, applications in mortgage sense, all of that is administration that anyone else can do. So you have to leverage that so you can do more lead generation, marketing and sales. But that gives you the opportunity then to, you know, almost double your income from, you know, 75, 100 grand, depending on the products you're selling up to 200 grand plus. Um, and then once you've got leads and sales working, you really start nailing your strategy for your business. You know, I'm a big fan of the 12 week year working in 90 day increments, um, focusing on three to six actions in sort of ticking. I love a to-do list. My whole, my whole book is just bullet points and ticks and crosses. Um, but leads, sales, nail your business strategy by knowing your numbers, having a 12-month plan, vision, mission, values, then looking at how we build a system because you'll know this. If you can document a process and you can build a system around it, you can then start to bring people in to manage the system and therefore you're managing the process and you're delivering, you know, the service to the customers and the clients. Um, and then obviously from then you've got the team and, and sort of the growth from that. So my mission in 2017, uh, 2016, I went from the average mortgage broker does 60,000 pounds worth of banked income turnover, shall we say in their year one, because I was attracting my ideal client and I was working with people who were self-employed business owners, and I was creating content, I did just over 300,000 with one admin, um, which is, you know, sort of almost five times the, the sort of industry average. Yeah. Um, I then went impressive. on a journey of, of how do I maintain that, but work less, so working smarter. And it just became, you know, that's exact same principle, strategy systems team, strategy systems team. So my goal in 2017 was to retire myself as an advisor, um, which I did in sort of 2020. And then um, or I did in 2019. And then my goal in 2019 was to retire myself from the business, shall we say, and I kind of did that in 2022. Um, operations manager in place now, I recruited self-employed people, so we didn't have any major kind of ags. But it's just, 
the reason why I referenced the 2017 and the 2019 is because you have to set a decision in the sand. And then every decision you make moves you after you've got leads and sales. What's the next point you want to get to? You know, whether it's the top of the staircase, you look at the top of your stairs in the house, you've got to get to that stair. But you can't do it unless you do one step at a time. And in my first 10 years, I tried to jump loads of steps. And that's where you might slip off and fall back and crack your head open. So it's just, you know, know where you want to get to, reverse engineer it, and then just work slowly and incrementally along the way. Um, and also leveraging other people's experience as they're vicariously. I've had so many coaches, mentors uh, that I didn't have in my first year because I was the arrogant young business owner. Whereas now if I've got a question, I'd, I'd rather, you know, the... The problem that I had for 10 years was I thought no one could do it as better than me. Now I realize, and that's, that's schooling that teaches us that, you know, the, in, I always, I love this. I love this saying from Daniel Priestley that I heard. And it was like, in school, you're taught not to copy someone else's paper or, you know, that doing something on those line, kind of lines is, is cheating. Whereas actually an entre, that's actually entrepreneurship when you get older you go to the best person in that particular area and say, hey, can you do this? You know, and you find the specialist, you'll pay them a little bit more, but you get 10 times the amount of results. And actually, we're all only good at probably three to six things. And we're told that we should work on our weaknesses. No, just work on the things that you're really good at. You know, David Beckham didn't practice football kick, uh, free kicks with his left foot, did he? He just did more free kicks with his right foot. Yeah, I love that. I, th I think that's so true. There's so so much gold in there. So it's a few things I want to I want to pick up and highlight. So one is I absolutely love the point around that you made around um, trying to jump too many steps at once and as a result falling over and, and hitting your head right because I think when when we talk to clients about you know, freeing up your time from the day to day, you know, extracting yourself from the business, all those sorts of things, I, and 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 I've done it myself. The temptation is to think, well, yeah, like, so how do I how do I extract myself from the business and like and go from step one to step ten in one go? And I think, as you say, it's it's not about that. It's about systematically letting go of certain roles. And so, I think you know, in my case, too early, I tried to let go of sales when I hadn't worked out how to make sure that sales was working in my business. So I brought in a salesperson and they couldn't sell because I hadn't given them the processes and the collateral and so on to do it. Whereas in subsequent businesses, I've done that at the point that I've kind of like, oh yeah, nailed this decent you know, conversion rates and so on, documented it, handed over it to people that even without sales experience suddenly get the results. And I can see that. And I, I love how you highlight like you went through each of those stages, reducing yourself from being a broker, reducing yourself from being a manager and then eventually being the leader. And, you know, now you um, you have essentially like a COO set up who runs you know, the, the, uh, that business for you in a similar way um, that I do with with Spider Gap. But as exactly as you say, you don't get there in one step. And I think that's often the mistake that's, that people make is that they, they think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I just want like, to let me document everything. And I think as, as well, the other point that you made um, earlier on around, you know, getting that admin in place as one of the first hires, but then not stopping there, continuing to, to let go is a really important journey for people to go on. But I think a lot of people struggle with either feeling like a, you know, like a control freak because they, they are good at things. You know, so imagine if Beckham's, try to step away from doing free kicks so he can do more kind of coaching and being the manager. Like, how do you do that? When it's like, oh, but I know that I can kick it better. 
and I think a lot of business owners kind of struggle with that. Is that something that you felt that you had to overcome and and how did that, how did you uh, just kind of break through that? Most definitely. I, I, you know, I had coaching around this and I think every entrepreneur or business owner goes through that point. You know, I, I think it's the, the transition from technician into business owner, you know, you, your mindset's got to change. One, you know, the first thing is you've got to learn to, if you love sales, you then have to start taking more pride out of generating, you know, helping someone else to sell. You know, I think, is it in the Rocky films or something like that? They, you see the point or there's that, there, I can't remember which film it is, but there's a film where actually he gets more, he gets more enjoyment out of coaching the next person. Do you know what? I think it might be Cars, the kids film Cars. This is the problem, Gary. You, you've, you've gone from like rock star, <gasps> like, you know, sales guy I know. to being dad of four. Oh, I know. One. Life changes so rapidly. As a result, there's, there's no pretense <laughs> anymore now. Oh, yeah, awesome. this, this, this is the level. This is the level we're actually operating at. Yeah. Is, yeah, was it Cars or was it Frozen? And which, or was uh, it Rocky? But mentally, you, you right have to go through that transition. Cars took, took more enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you know, my life resolved yeah. around four yeah. kids under 10. So that's probably most of the stuff that we see on our TV. But, you know, the, the idea is you've got to become comfortable with seeing other people win. Um, you know, in football, your age gets in the way nine times out of 10. Whereas the the kind of realization for me was actually, if I was able to generate five times the amount of leads into the business, then that would mean that we could do five times the amount of sales, which means that we would get five times the amount of turnover, which at that level, I could actually not then have to sell. And I would have more time. So it was like, okay, how can I then, you know, how could I then make that transition over a period of time, which was the two year kind of period? And how many salespeople would I need in order to be able to make that work? And how many booked calls would I need? Then obviously what new new lead sources did I want? And, you know, dare I say it, you know, my latest book is called The Lead Generation Guide. So I've kind of developed a bit of a love for marketing and wish I'd developed it a lot, lot earlier in my career. But, you know, everything happens at the right time for the right reasons. Um some multiple streams of leads, but yeah, certainly everybody goes through that transition. You have to learn to actually, people don't really care whether you do it. They just want the outcome. And the easiest way to get over that is, you know, yes, Alexis, I did your mortgage last time, but actually we've got someone who's an expert who's done X, Y, Z and number of years of industry, you know, whatever it is, they're actually the legend now, but I've personally trained them and worked with them and so on and so forth. I think it's just the, the handing over of that, that actually puts clients at ease. Yeah, I, lo I love that. And I think, as, as, and as you said before, uh, or as we discussed before, like making sure that you're clear on how to make that work and then handing it over by documenting the processes, giving the training, giving the coaching so that you can deliver that same um, level of performance is, is how you overcome the, the control-free aspect, I suppose, to so that you can actually hand that over. Um, and so that, you know, one of the things that I've always seen you do, Gary, is just like you're always looking for what level, of, what new level of learning, what new thing can I put into my business to help me get uh, better results? Um, one great example of this is 
you know, in recent episodes, I've been talking about how to leverage artificial intelligence as a business leader and have been doing uh, webinars on that and we've got the, uh, the ebook and so on. But I know it's an area that you've been uh, ahead of the curve on uh, generally as, uh, uh, in, in what you've been implementing in your business. So um, could you share some of the ways in which you're using artificial intelligence right now in your business? Because I, I think some of them are really, really interesting people would like to hear. Yeah, most, most of it's kind of marketing focused, shall we say, although I've recently been just even even research, like it gives you so much better responses than Google. You know, I've paid for the plus version of ChatGPT, for example, but, you know, I was on there at the weekend. I was like, okay, I'm thinking about writing roles, responsibilities, re-looking at the job descriptions for all of my team. So I was like, okay, write me a job description for a, an operations manager of a mortgage brokerage. Okay, what would be the top five KPIs that you would monitor? What are the KRAs and the objectives of that individual? And just kind of utilized it as almost that frontline template. As I was thinking the questions that I was asking myself, I was just asking ChatGPT to throw, see what it would throw in. Um, on a comp- content marketing point of view, one of the things we've been doing is is really kind of this is a bit of a hack that you can leverage anywhere. But if you actually say to ChatGPT, for example, I'm going to give you a transcription from a video, and all I want you to do is read it and then confirm with a single yes that you have read it, and then we just paste and then and then we just paste the transcription in, and ChatGPT goes and says yes. And then you basically say to it, utilizing all the information that you've read above, can you do whatever you kind of want it to do next? Um, Whether it's write a YouTube description or a podcast description or create some template bullet points or do me a 10 minute slide deck to present this to somebody. You can literally offer the back of that. You know, you can start to get it to do the work of kind of restructuring or reorganizing quite a large piece of content. Um, and then starting to play with it, you know, write it in the sign of a Disney character just to bring it back to that for a little while. You know, you can do whatever you want and it will do it if you ask it to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to make that a theme of this podcast now, mate. I've already done it. I'm just going to do it. That's fine. Yeah, but I can totally imagine how you'd end up with a presentation uh, about um, uh, mortgage brokerage and insurance in which uh, very early on in the stories and so on, the parents die. That's that's, (laughs) that's how you know that you're writing a Disney classic. (laughs) <laughs> so um I, I i love those as examples and it, it's really interesting because i think um you know a lot of people are kind of uh sort of hearing about this some people have, are starting to have a play some people are using it in their business uh in some of the ways that i know that you are i think um it's also interesting because people are discovering limitations you know when when you first said oh you know you can do research and in some ways it's better than google um you know you might have seen on my face i'm like i'm like oh because there there are definite ways in which it's terrible for research. Uh, I was sharing um, uh, recently on social media about like asking it, you know, here's some um, uh, here's a here's a lyric or here's part of a lyric. Tell me what song you know. Finish the sentence with the lyric with what song it is. And uh, out, out of three attempts, uh, one it got right, uh, and two it got wrong. But it looks like it's got it right. Because it provides the lyric as if like, oh yeah, this is the song. Or um, like for one of them, it provided the correct lyrics but got the title of the song wrong. And of course, you go, oh well, you're only having fun there. But there are there are examples where I've uh, asked it for, say, statistics about number of businesses that there are in the UK and um, how many of those have got a certain number of employees and how many of those are female-owned, male-owned, you know, all these sorts of things. 
and it comes back really confidently and will even provide sources and links and tell you what page number, the data that it's telling you are, the percentage and so on. And it's not true. It's like they're a huge amount, like more than 50% is false. And so you have to be really careful with that sort of factual type research and so on. On the flip side, the way that you then describe that you use it, like creating the role description for an operations manager or whatever, is an awesome way to use it. Because actually, firstly, it's um, you're not dealing with uh, truth or fact there. It's you know these are ideas for what you could put in there. And secondly, the ultimate uh, sort of gatekeeper for it is you. You're you're making sure that it's going to be the right answer. You're not going oh well it said the answer was 1.7%, so that's what's going in. You're going through it going, ah, I don't actually agree that these are my top five KPIs for this role, and so I'm going to make a couple of changes and so on. And I think the same goes for when you're transcribing a video and turning into that different content. How are you, given that, given those limitations, given that complexity, how are you enabling your business, your teams, to be able to make use of this stuff without increasing risk in your business uh, with making mistakes and so on, or, or or at the moment, are you using it more personally and less across the team? Yeah, so we they we've all got one login and we kind of share it and and they use it intermittently for the things that they need to. Um, we're using it. We're not using it necessarily so much for the research side. We're asking questions, like you said, and utilizing it in. So, for example, you know, we had a we had a complaint from a client. So we said, can you read this following complaint? And then can you write a response, including these three bullet points, for example? And we just got it to do that. And it was like that, that would have taken me 10 minutes to write that email. And it's done it in two and a half seconds. You know, so we're they're kind of utilizing it in that way to kind of just simplify the remove remove the thought process of having to create everything from the front end so it's doing 80 percent of the hard work and the heavy lifting the first step and then we're just tweaking the last 20 to 10 percent you know depending on the complexity of what we're asking but like, as a perfect example i was i had brain freeze in january because it was obviously the the baby had come home and i was tired and you know it's the first he's what 12 weeks old now having arrived at 32 weeks um, it's child number four. So I'm doing school runs, which I never used to blah, 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 blah. Um, woe is me. Um, but I just basically chucked it in and said, I'm, I'm talking about, I wanted to talk about like a CEO mindset to start the year and just to get some, uh, you know, some thinking around for my coaching clients, and my mastermind group, like having that CEO mindset, what does it mean to think on the business rather than in the business to transition from, you know, an operator, a technician into actually being a CEO or the leader of a company. And I had complete brain freeze other than a couple of points. And I was like, right, give me 20 points on a CEO mindset for an individual running a half a million pound a year business. And, you know, like you say, three quarters of them, crap. You know, 50% of them, maybe even crap. But it just gave me the thing that I wanted, which was just that little bit to get through the the writer's block, shall we say, to then go, okay, cool. This is it. This is what I needed. Then it just, then the presentation was done in, you know, an hour and a half thereafter. Um so I think that that's the thing is the research phase using your, you know, caveat, um, but just a little bit of the hard work, heavy lifting to reduce the time in thinking, which is often what you hear. You know, what do they say? I think I think it even I think I might have heard it's a fallacy, but Steve Jobs only wore black because it reduced the amount of time that he had to think in the morning and all these kind of little decision hacks in time saving. Yeah. yeah, it's if you can save more decision energy for the big things when, you know, it hits the fan, then uh, just yeah. coming up with those initial ideas is, is a great way to use it. 
Yeah, agreed. I really, really like that. And what about like, I love the fact that you've gone from um, having a business where marketing was the weakest area of it, where you were you know, buying leads from elsewhere so that you could then pick up at the sales side and, you know, no, it completely bypassed the marketing side. And now, uh, as you shared, like you've written literal books on the subject of how to generate leads and, and do this really effectively in, in your industry. Um, when you look at the opportunities for the use of artificial intelligence in marketing, what, how are you, um, what's the kind of approach that you're taking? Because one of the things that, as we say, AI can be really good at is for take, turning a blank page into a noisy one that you can then kind of filter from. But of course, the danger is that um, it's almost like it's providing an average of what's out there in the world. You know, when, um, when it famously passed a business studies course, it did so, but did so at like a C plus, like a passing grade kind of equivalent. It's not, it's not going to get you your A star unless you really put your own work into it and creativity and thought and so on. So I suspect that a similar thing applies to marketing, right? When we're talking about a good hook and a good call to action and so on, providing just the standard and what is already out there isn't going to get you the result. And that's an area that, you know, you've really honed your skills and knowledge in. So how can other business leaders, how can they approach uh, marketing specifically in, in that way? How do you make sure that you get the best of both worlds? Yeah, I, and that's where using my analogy earlier of using your own language and your own transcription, I think is really key. So when you get it to read your transcription, for example, you know, and then you get it to confirm yes, and then you ask it to maintain that tone of voice in the similar context, then it starts to maintain, you know, utilize the same language patterns. Um, it then has, it then resonates a little bit more with you, but the simple process that I look at with, which obviously the, the feature of the book is starting with, um, you know, gaining clarity over your niche, your ideal client. And that can be great from a research point of view as to, you know, yes, being mindful of the data that it spits out, but key information, what are some of the problems related to this? What are the, some of the objections? What are some of the fears, the pains, this type of individual or personal product would have? Um, off of the back of that, you've then got ideas to create content to then utilize on social media. Um, so well, the, the, the premise of the book is gaining clarity, creating content, social media, marketing techniques, and then sales. Sales, the whole premise of the book is that if you do the first four steps correctly, then actually people come to you already sold. So then yeah, you, don't, you don't have to sell. Um, and we talk about the ADA funnel, you know, it, there's only 3% of people who are ready to buy now. So if you want to build a future proof business and leads tomorrow, you need to start generating and building awareness today. And I talk about like, for example, we're looking at our summer holiday. Um, well, we started looking at our summer holiday probably four weeks ago, and we probably won't make another decision for another couple of weeks. But we've been on the websites, we've been looking at the holidays, we've been researching hotels, we're looking at testimonials, you know, we're asking friends where they've been, where's good with four kids, all this kind of where can we get now potentially one room rather than two, because that's a lot of requirements, and all these new things. So it's like, everyone's doing research and investing seven hours worth of time now, before they're even going to the point of making a purchase and they're doing it in multiple different places. So utilizing AI to take one piece of content and turn it into multiple different pieces of content, maintaining tone of voice, context, etc., is actually making 
is saving you a huge amount of time and is making it much more efficient to get a message farther and wider in a world that's more competitive. Yeah, I love that. I, I think, um, as you say, you have to start with the good quality content at the top of the funnel. It's if because if you start with AI generated content, it's it's bland. And even if you prompt it and try and move it and so on, you can try and put that in. It's it's a uphill struggle. Whereas, as you say, if you start with a transcription of your best self talking to your customer um, about their real pains and how you can help and so on, I think that's really powerful to then take that and turn it into as many different ways in which you can get that to reach your target audience as possible. I think also, um, I love your point around, you know, people are spending seven hours going and researching a product before they buy it, which means that you need to make sure that that information, those, that, that uh, research fodder is available. And previously, that would have been quite a big ask for a small business owner to be able to put together all the kind of you know bump and website whatever that that you might expect to be able to look through is tough whereas when you utilize some of these uh, platforms you can actually create a lot more a lot faster than you previously would have been able to so that yes you can free up your time but actually it means that you can free up your time so, and and increase the amount of capacity that you can put out there which i think is is pretty amazing. So no, I love I, I love that approach and, and the way that, as you say, you've got to start from that clear, ideal customer and understand their needs. And as you say, making sure that you've got that content at different stages of the funnel, right through from gaining, great, gaining some attention and awareness right at the very top through to yeah. developing the interest and the desire and so on to actually then come work with you, which I think is absolutely awesome. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're, we're timing out, Gary, but um, there's so much more that people can learn from you. So how can they connect with you, continue learning from you and so on? Um, give us some of the best ways to do that. Yeah, so I'm at Gary Das on all major social media channels. That's a little bit of a hack. If you can try and be consistent, then people can always easily find you. I've got my GaryDas.com uh, website. Everybody should have their own name as a website because when you're searched, it's the first thing that will come up. So make sure you go and buy your domain name. I've already got all of my kids and they're not even over 10 yet. Um, but, you know, that then links out to my businesses, my books, my podcasts and all that kind of jazz. So... Just out of interest, Alexis, before we finish, have you heard about the AI that will actually read your book for you? Uh, reading your book as in for audible purposes. That so I, I did. It took me seven hours to read my book in a tiny little confined room on a very hot June summer's yeah. day. Um, and then obviously you go through all of that process. It's like five grand to hire a studio mm -hmm. and have someone sit with you and yeah. do all that and upload it to Amazon, blah, blah, blah. There's now a piece of AI. I haven't tested it yet, but apparently if you upload three hours worth of content, it could then completely, I can upload the transcription for my book and it will completely give me the audio file ready to upload to Amazon without, in like 10 minutes without having to do anything. There's just AI for everything now. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I indeed, like we're going to see more of that. I mean, you know, um, you and I will remember a time when uh, there's an app for that was like a phrase <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that, you know, back in the day when smartphones were just really starting to uh, uh, to become a thing suddenly there were just apps for new things and there's an app for having for a torch on your phone whereas of course now it's like just a feature of the of the yeah, operating system point. but at the, the time it was just like there's a new one new one and i think we're going to see a surge of that for for ai i mean there's already thousands and it's going to and we're at the the tip of the iceberg mm. um, on that i hadn't 
specifically seen one designed for reading of books and I love that we're going to see all these individual niches because and it's relevant to be so you know we often talk about business leaders where it's like yeah you've got to be really clear on your niche and the the clearer you are for a specific segment the the better and the tr- the that's true even more so for AI not per- just for marketing purposes but the um the more narrow and deep a model that you can use for training the AI like for example how books are read uh, then it's really powerful for in terms of how it then adds intonation and how things are explained and, and so on. So uh, I think that's awesome. There is a tool yeah. that I have been using, which is Descript, for um, where you can train it on your voice. And it's not great for uh, giving you know a long passage of text and reading it out, although it's pretty scary to hear yourself like <laughs> you, in your actual voice saying things that you haven't said. But it is amazing for chucking in words that you didn't quite say correctly or you know got missed or, or whatever so um yeah it's it's incredible this stuff that's that's available to now yeah. do this and it's just going to keep on growing right but thank you, so much going. For, thank you yeah indeed uh, and the potential is huge but we'll we'll uh have to carry on talking about that another time gary thank you so much uh, for joining me today uh yes please do people check out garydas.com to uh, to learn more from gary including checking out his awesome books highly recommended uh it's been uh, really uh, great talking to gary about all those sorts of things so that's uh, fantastic um i, I want to highlight that We've been talking a bit about uh, AI. If people are interested in learning more about uh, how, as a business leader, you can get this into your business in a way uh, that is practical, not overwhelming, and instead can actually help you starting to, to get real results and free up time, please do check out uh, the ebook that we've got on this topic. Uh, please do also register for the webinar that we've got on, on this. You can find both at, uh, on the uh, Airmanual website at airmanual.co, uh, or alternatively, you can go to airmanual.link uh, forward slash AI forward slash webinar for the webinar or forward slash uh, AI forward slash ebook for the ebook. So you can go check out those resources. Uh, do, uh, do do that because uh, it's an overwhelming space. We all want to you know, embrace change rather than close our eyes to it, but it, it's tough and uh, our approach is pragmatic, so I think you get a lot out of it. Um, also, I know you'll have found today's content valuable. Gary's done me an absolute fantastic job of providing uh, value in today's session so please do me a favor subscribe and share it with others it'll help gary it'll help me and ultimately it'll help all of us because it'll grow this podcast so that we can get more awesome guests like gary and we can invest more time in providing great value uh, to you the lovely audience so thank you so much in advance for doing that otherwise until next time have fun